and welcome to this edition of Pharmacy Magazine's In Conversation With podcast. My name is Richard Thomas and this month I talk to Tess Player, who is Global Head of Healthcare Professional and Health Influencer Marketing at consumer healthcare giant Halion. The company was formed in 2022 as a result of the demerger with GlaxoSmithKline and is the world's largest consumer healthcare business, with OTC brands very familiar to UK pharmacy teams such as Panadol, Volterol and Nexium Control. Determined to do things differently as an independent company, already we have seen the launch of its Centre for Human Sciences, which supports healthcare professionals to influence behavioural change, in advancing pain management in pharmacy, for instance, and it has launched what is claimed to be the world's first health inclusivity index. Tess talks about these initiatives in the interview, as well as the resources the company has produced to support the mental wellness and resilience of pharmacy teams. A separate podcast on this important subject can be found at pharmacymagazine.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Even the company's mission statement is a little bit different, very bold and ambitious, to deliver better everyday health with humanity. So I started by asking Tess, what does this mean in practice? Thanks, Richard. First of all, hi uh, hi to everyone that's um, listening to this and thank you for your time today, Richard. Um, I'd love to talk about um, what everyday health with humanity means. So if we just deconstruct those two bits of it, the, the humanity pieces, we felt like healthcare overall had unfortunately tended more towards the clinical versus the empathy end. And what we wanted to do was, as we were launching Halion, really bring some of the humanity aspects back to health and um, and really stand for that. And by that, we mean making sure that health is accessible, is um, sustainable and inclusive for all. Um, and so those are some of the things that you'll see coming through from us um, as we, as we, as Halion um, sort of goes beyond its first few launch months into, into um, the established company that we want to be. And the other aspect, of course, is what do we really mean by everyday health? Well, essentially, we were part of a, of a pharma company. And so we take so many of the elements of pharma company with us so the way in which we deliver trusted science but we bridge that together with a deep human understanding so really understanding why people do or don't access better health and so one of the things that we launched just a couple of months ago um, is trying to bring together the very best of all that science that people would know GSK Consumer Healthcare for and bridge it with all the things that we know about human beings and how they access their health and what they do to stay healthy in the launch of the Centre for Human Sciences. So hopefully that that um, that name will become really familiar to you and all the listeners because we wanted to do something really tangible in the area of trying to get people to um, think more about their health and help healthcare professionals, pharmacists in particular, be able to have more meaningful conversations with their patients, particularly in the first area we're going to tackle is in the area of advancing pain management in pharmacy practice. So taking people who suffer from chronic pain or even episodic pain and helping them have more richer conversations with their pharmacist so that they can help uh, the pharmacist can help them better 
and the patient then goes on to get better health outcomes or or a more um, uh, manageable way of living and coping with the pain. If we step back maybe a year or two, and uh, when um, the company launched, and as you said, came out of GSK, um, you launched with a report, uh, and I think it was called Standing with Pharmacists in the Age of Self-Care, and a three-year plan and package of support w- was announced. Um, now, you've mentioned some aspects of that already. How is the plan progressing, and are, are pharmacists beginning to see a, a difference on the ground? Yes, yeah, so uh, so I'm really happy to to kind of look back at that report and say we are making tremendous progress in other some areas, and of course there are areas where we still have ambitions to do even more. So if we just go back to the where this report came from, so we really wanted to bring together the 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 minds of practicing day-to-day pharmacists together with some of um, sort of patient groups were represented as well as the greater good of policy and um, and the workplace for pharmacists groups. So um, it was chaired by the International Federation of Pharmacy, of course, FIP and Catherine Duggan um, uh, very kindly chaired it. And what we found, what we wanted to do was really delve into what the barriers were to pharmacists being able to deliver better self-care and and where could we step in and and the pillars of the um of the report or the 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 pillars the findings and the discussion led to some key pillars of activity and and what we halian wanted to do was overcome those barriers by helping pharmacists in terms of what could we do that would best help them pharmacists what could we do that could best help patients um, and then what could we do that would best be, sort of be thought leadership and, and really standing for something and making a tangible difference in everyday health? So I've just mentioned the Centre for Human Sciences. So that's what we want to do is be at the forefront of this blend of trusted science and behaviour change and deep human understanding. And, and, and we're going to be targeting pain first, the most universal and yet the most unique of conditions. The second area um is being doing what's best for for pharmacists themselves and so we've um we partnered with um grit who are an association that look at the resilience for pharmacists and created a program of work that really supported pharmacists themselves in their day jobs in terms of their resilience coming out of the pandemic the only healthcare professional that stayed universally open had their license of practice expanded and it felt like we needed to step in and be their partners in terms of supporting them. So there was a mental resilience program that is available on our Haley and Health Partner portal, which again, pharmacists can go to register and get access to those tools as well as patient materials, as well as, of course, the very leading edge of the science that we know about the conditions that we are um, leading brands for. So whether that's pain management or respiratory, the clean access to the, the, the fantastic work that's being done by the Clean Breathing Institute um, to help us really navigate um, the, the increasing um, issues around breathing cleanly. And, and so there's a, there's a, a, a workforce behind that. Um, so those are the um, best, best for everyday health and best for, best for healthcare professionals. And then finally, the thing that we launched just a couple of months ago now is the health inclusivity um, index. And that for us was our first step into 
what's really best for patients in terms of delivering everyday health with humanity that's accessible, sustainable and inclusive? What does inclusive health really mean? How do we know if we're doing better at it? And so for that reason, that we really wanted to um, help the world by better defining what health inclusivity means. And so we worked alongside a number of academics out of UCL and the, and the Economist Impact Unit to devise um, an index that could be the very baseline for how we measure health inclusivity going forward. Tell us a, a bit more about the, the pharmacy resilience program. Was it something that you, you were picking up um, about community pharmacy in, in the UK, this sense of, of, of stress levels rising and, and pharmacists feeling um, burnt out? Quite a lot of research looking at this at the moment. Was this something that you identified as a, a need? Yes. So we do research um, with um, what we call, I suppose, grassroots pharmacists around the world. And we did that research ongoing through the pandemic. And of course, we partner, as I said, with the um, with FIP at that sort of policy making or shaping the workforce. And, and it was loud and clear. Um, the, the other source of information for us was, of course, the reps that are on the ground that are there to service day to day the needs of their um, of the pharmacists that they call upon them. And we just had so many sources of information coming to us telling us that pharmacists, it was it was so evident that they were that so much was being put on their shoulders at the very time that they had to stay open and 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 face into the vulnerability that they felt themselves and therefore their families by needing to stay open. And um, and and some of the research was was really interesting because, of course, there's the extra pressure of needing to, in some cases, be, suddenly be qualified to give vaccinations, having to um, uh, organize great vaccination clinics in some cases. But also it, it, it didn't take into account or the research showed us that, that what some of the headlines um uh, were telling us about obviously pharmacists needing to stay open for longer. So that was compounding the issue. But then there were some really interesting things in the research just around the number of times a pharmacist is interrupted in their day to day work, whether that's by their team around them, um, you know, asking whether they can approve a recommendation or whether it's suppliers coming in, deliveries, but just just that or by patients. So it's just the number of, of interruptions. And, and interestingly, it was it was that that seemed to, on top of everything else, be this trigger. So having listened and, of course, through, as you said, the, the round table that we ran looking at the role of pharmacists in self-care, that we decided that was one of the first programs we really wanted to deliver specifically for the pharmacist to make a tangible difference, to give them the assets, the tools and the ongoing support. So we did some bite-sized videos that they could access um, either just on their commute to work um, uh, and try to be really thoughtful about how we delivered that so that those pharmacists could get access to the latest thinking from academics and theorists and psychologists as to how to really help them take care of themselves, self-care, um, take care of themselves um, uh, through this incredibly intense period. Finally, um, Tess, what's going to happen then over the course of 2023 from Halion? What, what are pharmacists going to see? 
Well, so one of the things I'd love to um, uh, share with you is is uh, that I started to talk about, which was the health inclusivity index. So this is um, something that's really meaningful to us and we're hoping will be meaningful in the in the area of everyday health. So as I mentioned, we we um, we want to make sure that the the that partnering with pharmacists as the most accessible healthcare professional that we bring to this the the pharmacy um, uh, pharmacists on the ground every day things that are really tangible that can help them and and when we talk about this big topic of health inclusivity and pharmacists having this sort of motto about leave no patient behind it's so easy for us to just go straight to the social determinants of health people that can't afford to access health. And what we what we did by launching this index is really start to deconstruct what is um, what are the aspects of inclusivity and and the people in, that walk into a pharmacist's every day that might not be getting the very optimal health advice or, or themselves being able to, to go home and look after themselves because they um, uh, because they themselves feel excluded from the healthcare system. And so, you know, whether that's um, somebody that has kind of chronic fibromyalgia, whether it's somebody that's part of the LBGTQ plus community that for whatever reason can't access the health that they want. And so so it was you it was really having a look at some of the individual life stories that go behind the data in the index that we found so interesting and then one of the areas that we almost went sort of straight into was of course those people who um, for whatever reason aren't as literate in their health as we would love love them to be and that might be because they're visually impaired so there are two million visually impaired people in the UK and um, and they when you say um, will always read the label not everybody can and and so we did a partnership with Microsoft that we're incredibly proud of where in the UK and the US now all of our products so 1500 um, products from Halion now are part of the Microsoft Seeing AI app and what that means is somebody can download the app they'll scan the barcode of one of our products and the very important dosage instructions, usage instructions are now read out to those visually impaired people so that pharmacists can be really reassured that they can give this advice, give these products to the visually impaired and that they are they can rest assured that they will have access to be able to read the all important instructions on pack um, or have it um, read out to them so that they can um, uh, they can understand it and know that they're then taking the product that's right for them at the right time etc so going right to the core of the pharmacist's role in terms of access and safety of medicines we're really proud to bring that to the um, pharmacy community and hopefully they'll then be able to share that with their their patients that come in that might have issues with literacy for whatever reason. Tess, that's brilliant. Um, thank you very much for, for coming on to the podcast. Great, Richard. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you today.